welcome to day 113 of Shaped by the Word, Season 2, The Drama of Scripture. Uh, we're going through the book of Judges, which uh, possibly is one of the most disappointing books in all of Scripture. Uh, as you see the pattern of the children of Israel after they've come into the Promised Land, uh, they continue to fall away and are captured, both heart and mind, by the, the local gods. You know, they're part of it, the Bells and the Asteras. And so they follow God out of desperation until he rescues them. And as soon as they're rescued, they quickly fall back into a cycle of sin. And uh, their sin brings judgment. And once they find themselves in the middle of judgment from the nations around them, they again call out to God. So we're going to take you through a sampling of a, of a few of the judges. We'll hit the ones you probably already know, Gideon and Samson. Uh, we'll also hit a couple of that you probably don't know. So we begin with Ehud and uh Chapter 3, verse 7. But before we turn to the book of Judges, let's uh, offer ourselves in this moment to the Lord. David, do you mind lifting us up in prayer? No, let's pray. And Father, we, uh, we do thank you so much for your word. Um, I know oftentimes I dismiss your word or ignore your word or, or fail to engage with your word. And so we thank you so much for time now that we can meet with you through your scriptures. Um, help our hearts. Um, to be recaptured by your wonderful story of redemption and help us to see, um, like the people of Israel, and time and time again, our hearts go to many other things besides you. And so we thank you for your faithfulness to to call us back to yourself, um, your long-suffering, um, your patience. Thank you for your heart towards us, your people. And may we, as your people, um, live in such a way that we declare and display uh, the beauty of who you are uh, to one another and also to the, to the world around us um, for your glory. We pray this all in the name of Jesus. Amen. Mm-hmm. In Judges chapter 3, verse 7, the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. They forgot the Lord their God and they served the bells and the Asherahs. The anger of the Lord burned against Israel so that he sold them into the hands of Cushan, Rishathaim, king of Aram, Naharim to whom the Israelites were subject for eight years. But when they cried out to the Lord, he raised up for them a deliverer, Othniel, son of Kenaz, Caleb's younger brother, who saved them. The Spirit of the Lord came on him so that he became Israel's judge and went to war. The Lord gave Cushan Rishathaim, king of Aram, into the hands of Othniel, who overpowered him. So the land had peace for 40 years until Othniel, son of Kenaz, died. Again, the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord, and because they did this evil, the Lord gave Eglon, king of Moab, power over Israel, getting the Ammonites and the Amalekites to join him. Eglon came and attacked Israel, and they took possession of the city of Palms. The Israelites were subject to Eglon, king of Moab, for 18 years. Again, the Israelites cried out to the Lord, and he gave them a deliverer, Ehud, a left-handed man, the son of Gerah and Benjamite. The Israelites sent him um, with tribute to Eglon, king of Moab. Now Ehud had made a double-edged sword about a cubic lawn, which he strapped to his right thigh under his clothing. He presented the tribute to Eglon, king of Moab, who was a very fat man. After he had presented the tribute, he sent them on their way, those who he sent on their way, those who had carried it. But on reaching the stone images near Gilgal, he himself went back to Eglon and said, Your Majesty, I have a secret message for you. The king said to his attendants, Leave us, and they all laughed. Ehud then approached him while he was sitting alone in the upper room of his palace and said, I have a message from God for you. As the king rose from his seat, Ehud reached with his left hand, drew the sword from his right thigh and plunged it in the king's belly. Even the handle sank, into the blade, sank in after the blade and his bowels discharged. 
Ye who did not pull the sword out, and the fat closed in over it. Then Ehud went out to the porch, he shut the doors of the upper room behind him and locked them. After he had gone, the servants came and found the doors of the upper room locked. They said he must be relieving himself in the inner room of the palace. They waited to the point of embarrassment, but when he did not open the doors of the room, they took a key, unlocked them. There they saw their lord fall into the floor, dead. While they waited, Ehud got away. He passed by the stone images and escaped to Sarah. When he arrived there, he blew a trumpet in the hill country of Ephraim, and the Israelites went down with him from the hills, with him leading them. Follow me, he ordered, for the Lord has given Moab, your enemy, into your hands. So they followed him down and took possession of the fords of the Jordan that led to Moab. They allowed no one to cross over. That time they struck down about 10,000 Moabites, all vigorous and strong, not one escaped. That day Moab was made subject to Israel, and the land had peace for 80 years. After Ehud came Shangar, son of Anath, who struck down 600 Philistines with an ox good. He, too, saved Israel. So we have a, an accounting of three mm-hmm. of the judges, Ehud, Shamgar, and Othniel. And, of course, we also have a, a very uh, very crude accounting of the death of uh, Eglon, the king of Moab, who was, by the way, a very fat man, mm-hmm. <laughs> according to the scripture. So and you have a description of his, uh, his girth, a description of the sword that sunk into him, a description of how deeply the sword sunk into him, the description of his bowels discharging afterwards, and a description of his servants not wanting to interrupt him while he's relieving himself. While he's waited to the point of embarrassment. <laughs> <laughs> My word. So what else should we uh, glean from this passage as we read this passage? Let us pray. <laughs> <laughs> I this is just a side note. I wondered why they mentioned that he was a left-handed man. If that was a, a super rare thing back then, or um, and then of course you see that it comes in handy because I don't think Eglon was expecting him to be reaching with his left hand to grab a sword, um, but because they mention it later with his yeah. left hand, he grabs it. Well, he he probably missed you know visual inspection as well as they look mm. for a weapon that they look in a. Uh, the normal place you know, to carry it. Of course, he had it on the inside of his his right thigh, yeah. and he reached down with his left hand, and so the element of surprise you know came came with it. David, you're left-handed, aren't you? Yeah. So nobody ever expects things like this from left-handed yeah, people. Yeah, no, I've gotten away with so much because I'm left-handed. Just because you're left-handed. Yeah. Yeah. They'll even check me at TSA. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> of course. <laughs> oh, man. I did like, and obviously we see this pattern over and over again, but... You know, they, they say after Othniel, there was peace for 40 years, but then again, we see that phrase, you know, again, the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord, and because they did this evil, the Lord gave them to Eglon, but then in verse 15, they, they do cry out, and the Lord gives them a deliverer, and, mm-hmm. you know, it, I think at times we kind of just expect God, like, well, obviously, he'll save his people and deliver them, but I like how you know, Judges is a difficult book, but it does show us just the heart of God and him being this long-suffering, patient, kind God towards his people and then responding to their cries, even when they in no way deserve it. And yet he does graciously kind of give them these deliverers that do give them these kind of temporary yeah. pieces over and over again. But just knowing that God, had, he doesn't have to respond to that, but out of his kindness, out of his love, he, he does towards his people and their cries, even when they're chasing after all these other gods these, yeah. these small g gods and, and most of the time the peace lasts for a generation or you know maybe two generations or for you know the, the span of the leader's you know lifetime mm-hmm. and of course it you know stresses you know, to us the importance of 
Our job is not only to be a people who are faithful to God, but a people who are faithful to pass on our love, you know, for our Savior to the next generation. Mm-hmm. And of course, that takes us, you know, back to the book of Deuteronomy that the law needs to be on our hearts and on our minds, mm-hmm. and they need to be a natural part of our conversation as we uh, you walk along the way, as we rise up, as we get down, mm-hmm. binding on the doorpost of our homes, and uh, so. Uh, this is part of Israel's failure. And, and of course, they haven't completely driven the people out of the land as the Lord commanded them. And the influence that they have is stronger. The influence that uh, they have on Israel, the people of land, is stronger than the influence Israel is having on them. Mm-hmm. Because Israel is not being faithful to their God. And uh, the Canaanites are very tenacious in the worship of their gods, which were fertility gods. Mm-hmm. And uh, you might just be tempted to think, okay, I've planted this crop. <laughs> And I have, you know, these flocks, and if I really want to be successful, uh, maybe I should honor the local gods, the Baals and the Asherahs, mm-hmm. which are fertility, uh, fertility gods. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Definitely get the, starting to get the feel of the cycle of the, what David mentioned, the temporary peace. And it definitely points me toward a time when, you know, Jesus comes and and finally offers the world, the land, um, a permanent peace, a permanent shalom that will never end. Um, and so it, it points me toward, okay, someday there will be a permanent peace. But right now we see this cycle of temporary peace and then a, a long period of um, servitude to some other king. Um, and then just this constant re newing i guess refreshing yeah. and but it's a downward you know it's not going anywhere it's not stationary even it's just a downward spiral but yeah of I, course you know that greater time of peace will uh be ushered in by a deeper work in our hearts you know, which will allow us to to be faithful to our god and for him to be our god so it's fulfillment of the covenant purposes you know that you saw you know at the foot of uh, you know, Mount Sinai, mm-hmm. uh, I will be their God and they will be my people mm-hmm. and I will make my dwelling among them. Mm-hmm. And of course, that's where our peace comes from, his presence with us. And, uh, and so you see Israel, uh, much like a, we are, when things get desperate, they turn to the Lord. When things are good, they quickly turn away from the Lord. Mm-hmm. And of course, that was a warning in Deuteronomy. When you settle into these villages and lands, you know, that really you didn't build that were provided for you. Uh, be careful that you do not forget the Lord your God. And of course, that's what they do over and over again. You know, these two <clears throat> these two accounts really remind me of really the beginning of the Exodus story where Israel's oppressed and they begin to cry out to God. And it says mm-hmm. God, you know, heard their cries and responded. And really, it's almost like these little mini Exoduses in a sense where mm-hmm. God raises up, you know, a deliverer who will rescue the people out of you know the the bondage that they're in. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think one of the things that, that stands out to me, you know, talking about these cycles, and, and even we see it with these two deliverers, is you know, Israel does what is evil in the, the eyes of the Lord. They forget the Lord, but then they cry out to Him, and, and we're reminded the Lord has not forgotten His people, but instead He raises up a deliverer and acts. Yeah, but as we move into the story, you know, one of the things we're going to see is pretty soon Israel is no longer going to cry out to the Lord at all. And in fact, the Lord is just going to pursue His people. 
Yeah, and so we're seeing that kind of that pattern yeah. being set up for us. It, it just, I mean, so it reminds me. I mean, I read the book of Judges, and it's just so dark. And it's like, how in the world could these people continually right. do this? You know, and and I look at maybe the big sins of these people and say, oh, how could they? And yet, like in my everyday living, how often do I just forget the Lord and all He's done for me? Yeah, just casually. Yeah. I mean, you just enter a day without a deep awareness of Him, and it's just, uh, pretty soon you can find yourself going, you know, through a day without a thought of Him. And, uh, you know, He's kind of a distant memory. And while you're doing that, uh, you're uh, offering worship, you know, to other things. Your affections are turned toward other things, and uh, your identity is found in other things. And, mm-hmm. and pretty soon we're as far from the Lord as we can, mm-hmm. uh, we can be. And, and graciously, uh, you know, he disciplines those he loves. He, he causes he causes circumstances to close in around us so that we look to him and and in a renewed you know in the, in the cycle that he is in, yeah. or the same cycle the judges are in. And of course, Matt is right. If if uh, you have a hard time hanging with he who had wait to the end of the book because it suddenly <laughs> gets only gets worse. Mm-hmm. I thought it was also interesting how you know we read kind of the first account with Othniel and we see the spirit of the Lord came upon him and he and the Lord gave gave him in the king of Aram into the hands of Othniel and then the land had peace. And so we were kind of reading that narrative like, oh, finally God showed up and gave the people the the peace, like finally. But then like, right, and the next thing is it starts with Ehud, you know, Israel did what was evil in in the eyes of the Lord. And because of this evil, the Lord gave Eglon king, you know, so we see God kind of at work giving them peace, but also in this moment where we think the Lord might not be so active in the life of Israel, he's actually very active. Mm -hmm. And even in the chaos and the the suffering they're going through, Mm -hmm. he's still there. He's still present. He is active, and, he hasn't uh, left. and that's yeah. pattern. He's active in both blessing and and judging, mm-hmm. and both you know his blessing and his his judgment are part of his kindness toward us, you know, in in Christ Jesus. Yeah. You also have the note of you know one of the interesting things that is it happens twice. You know, so the land had peace for forty years. So the land had peace for eighty years. Is when Israel is living as the covenant people of God as a light to the nations mm-hmm. it's not just that israel has peace but it's actually that the land would mm-hmm. you know receive peace and, and so you're kind of seeing this really the intent of what god had always designed israel to be but also this foreshadowing of now what he's called us yeah. to be you know as a well, light the, to the nations. Uh, the land responds to the people yeah. and of course the land had already vomited uh, the canaanites out and um, in the end will you know vomit uh, Israelites out, and of course we go to you know, Romans chapter eight, and said all creation is groaning, waiting for us, you know, to be uh, revealed as, as sons of God, and then creation will be restored. So the land is responding, mm-hmm. you know, somewhat, you know, somewhat to the people. Mm-hmm. All right, so there's our uh, first couple of cycles of Judges. Uh, we'll meet you here tomorrow and introduce you to Deborah. Father, thank you so much for your faithfulness. Thank you that you hear the cries of your people. Thank you that uh, as many times as we wander away from you and call out to you, you still respond in grace. We thank you, uh, Father, for the good gifts we have in you. May we not be distracted by the idols of our land, uh, whether they're you know, physical idols or anything that grabs our heart and affection, and there are so many distractions. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you, Father, for for both your discipline and your and your grace. Amen. Mm-hmm.